0: I got a new record out so yeah i mean we've been doing some press sure but uh you know i've been doing press for 45 years so i kind of know what's up you know
1: you know before 9 a.m your time is uh you know obviously i guess you're not really keeping rock star hours anymore
0: i haven't in decades i uh, <laughs> uh no i usually get up around five six in the morning go to bed about nine I live a really simple life, man. I mean I did all the crazy shit when I was young, you yeah.
1: Why five A. M.? I'm I'm up at six for you know, for work, but five AM is that's that's crazy to me.
0: I love the morning. I love the pre-dawn when it's dark just turning, man. It's just a wonderful time to be out in the backyard and just kinda of take a walk around. I don't know, it's just very peaceful. I'm into that at this point in my life.
1: You're in uh you're into TM, right?
0: Yeah. Have been long George Harrison turned me onto it. Back in 1992.
1: What role does that play in your schedule?
0: Uh, you know, I don't do it as much as I, as regularly as some people do, but I do it when I'm upset or if I need to center myself, you know, or if I'm traveling. It helps me center and relax and it's a good thing.
1: Is it part of the creative process for you? I know a lot of people use that.
0: um Not really, you know, I mean, you know, I don't use it before I write or anything like that. I mean, it's a thought. Maybe I should do that. I sort of work well under pressure. When I know I have a project and I go balls deep, I go all in. And uh, before that, then I'm kind of lazy, you know. Like, I didn't have any music written a month before we went in the studio. I just picked a couple of the the cover tunes I wanted to do because that created the attitude of the era that I wanted to go from, which is the early 70s. Record like that everything live and the overdub the vocals so we did a song a day and that's what we did we run the chart once we'd record it second take was it for the whole record and then we did a couple of small overdubs i recorded the vocals at night next song we did that for eight days in a row and then we mixed it and we did it right before the uh the lockdown so we could do it without ha- you know a hazmat suit on and shit and, It was really freeing for me. I wanted to see if we could make a record the old school way without, uh, you know, using the computer and the click tracks and the lineups and the melodines and the fucking, you know, you you can make your dog sound like Barbra Streisand, man, at this time, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, can anybody really play anymore? And I wanted to see if I still had it in me, because, I mean, I'm not trying to write a hit song. I'm not, Rihanna's not doing, you know, know, a guest appearance on my new single, you know what I mean? I'm a 63 year old guy. And I did this record for me, you know, and it was just a bit self-indulgent. You know, I left long jams at the end and I wanted to see like a people, how we used to make records, man. We show up, didn't know what we were going to do. And then we come out with music. And everybody brought their best game. I have such fantastic musicians. I mean, they just knew what to do. I just said, Hey man, here's the rundown. Let's do that. We fix anything on the chart, run over anything. That's a little weird and then go, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to point at you, you, you guys solo and whatever, and we'll just, whatever happens, happens. I'll cue back to the head, you know, for the singing, you know. So that's how we did it, it was just like, it was like how we used to do it in the 70s, in the early 80s, you know, this is like, you had to play good. We used to take shit for it. People would say, you guys play too good, or you slick, or whatever, it's like, Dude, that's what we sound like sitting in a room. I don't know which more. You want to talk about slick records? I'd say the way they make them now is about as slick as it comes. You know, this is an era when they they, they put Britney Spears and, you know, Justin Bieber on the cover of Rolling Stone, and they think that we're shit, you know? No offense to them. I mean, I got nothing against them, except Justin Bieber just ripped off one of our songs, and he's going to get in trouble for it. Is, Is that right? Which one? Yeah, his new single. It's a complete exact melody key and groove of a song called going home if you listen to that song which was recorded in 1989 and you listen to his new single in the chorus you're gonna go that's the same fucking song with different lyrics
1: it sounds like you're kind of getting at the new solo record is is a return to form for you which kind of implies that that You know, over the past couple of decades, you've perhaps moved away from that more idealized version of recording.
0: Yeah, well, listen, Toto's famous for its overproduced records, you know. You know, if we got 100 tracks, we'll use 110, you know what I mean? That's just, you know, there's a lot of people that want to get a lot of information on those big records and they serve a purpose. They're big records, they're big produced records, you know. I want to do the exact opposite, minimal minimalistic record with live solos, live playing. You had to play it on the gig. It was more akin to doing an old Miles Davis record in terms of how you record it. You can hear people in the room or say, Jimi Hendrix, some of those live jams on uh, electric Ladyland, where you can hear people moving around the room. The tempos change. You can hear people catching up and going, okay, here we are. And I want to just, I think it's connecting with people because they haven't heard a record like this in a hundred years. And I'm proud of it from an artistic statement. Whether it sells, I mean, we best reviews in my career, so I mean, that's nice for a change. Instead of you suck, Lucather, <laughs> read that for forty-five years. <laughs> I get the feeling
1: that like the the people who are still on with you at this point are, you know, they're they're the people who re- who are really devoted for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, we play to our audience. I mean, they, it's smart to do that because we live in a niche world now i mean everybody there are bands that sell out in madison square garden you never heard of before i go wow that's pretty heavy i mean i don't know if they could do that around the world but people find their niche audience and they get very attached to it and you know we've been lucky because we've been getting a lot of young people who discovered our music through the africa craze or the weezer thing or whatever the case is you know it benefited us you know almost three billion streams now africa has almost a billion on its own and uh, that's pretty good for a bunch of old guys. This is the weirdest song that we ever recorded becomes this thing that everybody thinks that's what we are. Come see us live. They might be surprised. I mean, that's a part of our, that's a part of our trick bag, but we got a lot of things in our trick bag. We play a lot of different kinds of shit.
1: I, I was talking to Suzanne Vega a couple of weeks ago and, you know, she had that big hit with Tom's diner, which is completely different than everything else she did. And I think that to her, there was a bit of a shock to the system when people would actually come see her and then she would just be like on stage doing her acoustic thing.
0: I think a lot of people who come and like say they're just heard Africa, Roseanne, or all the line or something, they're very surprised to hear us play songs. They go, I didn't know those guys did that song. I didn't know those guys. That was their hit because we've had different I sing hit songs, David Page songs, Bobby Kimball had hit, hit, hit songs, Joseph Williams had hit songs as singers. Not unlike the Eagles or Fleetwood Mac or something like that, which we patterned ourselves off. To. Even the Beatles—I mean, everybody sang. Uh, some people better than others, but I mean, nonetheless, you could—you know—you can always count on a, a an oddball song. But I mean, that's part of who we are, you know. Like you know, the whole the line of Georgie Porter on the same record.
1: Did it take a while for you to to work up confidence in yourself as a singer? Obviously, you know, being in these this band with other great singers.
0: Yeah. Yes, I didn't really want to do it, but I was kind of like, "Come on, man! You can sing this one. You should sing this one." So the first album was a little nerve-wracking for me, and then I, as the time went on, I got more comfortable with it. And as at some points, I was the only, I was the frontman singer, and then we'd have background vocals singing with crazy high shit. But now we got Joe back, who's just stronger than ever, and Joe and I want to work together, and you know, with David behind the scenes. I mean, it's it's the fifteenth incarnation of Toto you know we just keep it alive the music keeps it alive and i won't let it die i put my whole life into this and i'm built for the road so between ringo and toto i stay on the road a lot
1: you started doing it so you started specifically in toto so early and and playing music around and in in studios prior to that i guess you were probably what like around 19 i think when the band
0: mentally (laughs) yeah i am. See, I never had to grow up. I never had to grow up and have a real job that I hated. I had a couple of hateful jobs when I was a kid. Every kid should have a hateful job. It motivates them to do what they want to do. I was cleaning out, like, the toxic solvents from a dry cleaning plant with no gloves. Like, I laughed at me with my long hair and all that shit. I was, like, 15 years old. I'm going, and this guy just gave me nothing. But She fucking dreamer. You fucking, what are you kidding me? You know, I mean, had me do horrible things, like just like treated me like dirt for like you know a buck sixty-five an hour, and I'm going, motherfucker, I'll show this motherfucker (laughs) one of these days. You know, washing, cleaning, and washing dishes at a Japanese restaurant when you're 16 for gas money. I mean, let me tell you something; it's humbling, man, and and it's a motive. These kids are just like have mommy and daddy pay for everything, and you're the bestest. It's bullshit. It's not real life. You know, I didn't make the team when I was a kid and I was humiliated and shit. Like, that's part of life. Meet me get the flagpole, you're going to get your ass kicked. That was part of life. I mean, nobody got bloodied up and, you know, you just got scared and maybe punched once or something. You know, it strengthened you as a human being. I don't, I don't, you know, think violence is cool. I mean, I never hit my kids or nothing. But, you know, when we were uh, in my, when I was a kid, man, I'd come home and the belt would be up on the fucking kitchen table i'm going motherfucker go get the belt was like that was a walk of shame you know what i mean never walked slower in my life <laughs> but hey man you know i mean nobody killed nobody killed me man i was just a smart ass kid and got what's coming to him.
1: how supportive were your parents of of this dream
0: very i mean my old man was more like your crazy kid you know and my old man was in show business behind the camera as time went on, my father was like, okay, if you're going to do this, you really got to study it, all right? You know, neighbor moved in next door that was, wasn't a famous musician, but bought a house and was doing it. He says, well, you, if you can be like him, I can see it, you know? But this rock star shits, you know, you got to be kidding me. And to a certain extent, he was right. My mom was much more, my dad was on the road a lot doing films and television and stuff like that. So I could, you know, she'd look the other way. You know, she'd be like, she knew I was paying my sister to do my homework and stuff like that.
1: <laughs> in most cases, when parents are less than supportive about creative pursuits, it's it comes out of a place of concern.
0: Well, I mean, you know, when my mother was 19 years old, which is how old she was when she had me in, 90, in the 50s. 1957, my grandmother was like a new ager before they had a name for it. And one of her psychic friends put her hand on my mom's stomach and said, oh, music, he's going to be a musician. My mom was like so disappointed. She went to a doctor, a lawyer. Because in the 57, you know, that's akin to being a junkie in a low life, you know. But as time went on, it became a respectable job, or at least a lot more respectable. Right? Harder to get into, and the entry level is really hard to get in.
1: Usually when, when parents are less support supportive, it comes out of a place of concern because it is, it is a hard...
0: Well, my son is a musician, Trev, you know, my oldest son. I mean, you know, he's been working in it for 20 years, and now he's got a record out, and he's been writing songs and producing records for other people, and he's been successful. and He's getting married, you know. And his wife is uh, Jonathan Cain's daughter from Journey. So Jan Winner's ball bag is about ready to explode. Thought of a Toto Journey, baby.
1: <laughs> it's quite the super group you're, you're genetically producing over there.
0: <laughs> genetically produced just to make him crazy. <laughs> you don't need to write any of that. It's just being silly. You know? I mean,
1: yeah, I, I assume at some point, though, you have like a pretty – frank conversation you know when when your kids go down that road of just like hey here's all of this shit that i had to deal
0: with well right well here's the thing you think it would help him i right? would well, so you and mike and wave wand and get him a record deal and that wasn't the case i i could introduce him to people but the rest was on his own uh, and he's worked real hard at it you know he has first success with hailstorm he wrote their first hit single Co-wrote it, you know. And so he got his first gold record for that. And then he's been doing sessions and writing songs for other people. And Now he's... he's his, his band, LaVara, has a new single out. there album drops in a couple of months. It's really good. It's called Automatic. You can check it out on YouTube. Really strong stuff. I'm so proud of him. He's such a good kid, man. Just a good human being.
1: In addition to jobs sort of, you know, making you more passionate about your, your dreams, they also probably make you a better person they make you like less less shitty To
0: I, I don't believe that a parent should tell a kid not to follow their dreams you know what i mean i mean that's the time to dream is when you're young i mean you can always get a regular job you know unless you know you, if you have an aptitude for something you should follow that you know find a way to monetize i said i, mean, I told my own kids find a way to mo- monetize your passion And then you'll never have to work a day in your life.
1: But the fact that he's doing that without, you know, some built in support, I think probably makes him all the more passionate.
0: Well, he gets my support, but I mean, he can support himself. That's the thing. I mean, if you can support yourself doing this, then great, you know, and his wife or his uh, fiance is working, so they have a dual income. So it it works and they can rent out a place underneath their house, which is a big place. uh, so, I mean, you know, he's got it going on, you know, and he's got some action going, the single's starting to take off. So I hope it's for him. I have three other kids and nobody's gotten the bug aside from him, you know. In the early
1: days for you, how did you work up confidence in your own ability? Because you were like kind of, you know, out of the frying pan into the fire as far as like playing with some of the best studio musicians in the world.
0: Well, fear has a great deal to do with your motivation. <laughs> fear of failure. You had to bring it, man. So the pressure on me, you had to be able to take the pressure and deliver with the red light going, Everybody's staring at you, going, you better play something good. It wasn't like all the notes are written out. And if I had to play with another guitar player, I had to play with something complimentary. So you had to make all these split decisions on the spot. There was no rehearsals, demos, or nothing. Sometimes I didn't know who the artist was or what kind of music we were going to play. You had to be ready for anything. And so I had the, you know, I had that ability at a very young age. I had some great teachers, you know, Jay Gray and Lee Reed and Larry Carlton, you know, Dean Parks, Ray Parker Jr., and some of the other cats that I got a chance to play with. That were, those were the guys I saw most.
1: Were there any opportunities that you ended up turning down because they were too far afield or you felt like it was something you couldn't perform?
0: You no, know, when I first started, I took everything. That's how you you know build develop a name for yourself. You know you got to get on as many records as you can be and be seen in the studios, working in the hallways. Like oh, he's working. He's you know you have to develop a name and a reputation for yourself. And I wanted to do it real bad. You know I thought I could be good at it, and I was. And uh, they accepted me at a very young age, which is surprising because I look at pictures of myself. I look like a twelve-year-old kid in the studio. I mean, like, Who's the kid? You know I was always the kid. You know. And now I'm the fucking, uh, you know, the old man of the sea. I mean, the gray beard. You know, come on, man, I earned that shit.
1: The hair still looks good, though.
0: Well, you know, I paint the fucking hair. I mean, but if I'm still letting it it's At I the end of the day, the, the hair is the real. Yeah, I mean, they still got it. You know, I figure, you know, I don't make it look like this. I just said, fuck it.
1: You know? Yeah, you were doing the bedhead thing before it was popular.
0: Yeah, yeah, man, I'm a lazy man. You know, I just get out of the shower and just, you know, shake it up and I'm done.
1: A lot of the studio guys you, you mentioned, you know, were, you know, I think I kind of came across them as being in the broader Steely Dan universe.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, was, those were our heroes. I mean, Jeff was in Steely Dan when we were in high school. I mean, they were our biggest heroes and they still are. I still think Steely Dan makes some of the best music ever made as far as that high tech music if you know what i mean i still love the rolling stones too you know what i mean you know
1: you were talking earlier about this idea of sort of you know of really making it in the studio and of layering it and putting as much as you can into a track and steely dan is kind of the epitome of that how much did that shape what toto was as a band
0: well uh, you know subconsciously there because jeff was in steely dan david page had worked with him. And we looked up to them so much as how they made records. So, I mean, we copied the way they did stuff, even though our music is different. You know, there's some stuff that we played and some stuff that I recorded on my solo albums that were like Steely Dan tribute songs, you know, because I love them so much. I mean, from the early, simpler stuff to the most, you know, detailed Perfect records, like, you know, listen to Asia or the Gaucho, and you go, these are perfect albums. You can't say anything. These are perfect records. Now, for my taste, you play that to a punk rocker, and then they go crazy, man. They start to lose their skin and shit, you know. But I can listen to, you know, the Carpenters and Slipknot in the same day. I'm not a musical snob. I mean, I love if something's intense and powerful and heavy, I love it. If something's pretty and a nice pop song, I can listen to that. You know, what's wrong with that? I had to be ready for that as a session player. So I learned to love your work. You alluded
1: earlier to, I guess, some of the criticism around the the studio perfection.
0: Yeah, I find that very, very humorous, especially now the way they review records that are made with a laptop and a celebrity. Yeah, we were we were the worst band ever. Okay, man, whatever you say. 45 years later, we there, whether you like it or not. When something
1: like punk does come along, and obviously it changes a lot of how...
0: You know, well, it doesn't affect us. I mean, man, that's what was wrong when we came out. Because, you know, they put us against punk. That's like chocolate and garlic. Both taste good, but not together. We're not the same thing. You know what I mean? So it's unfair to compare bands, especially such radically different bands. I mean, that was just like a, a fuck you from a punk fan. So they made us the antithesis of it and and that stuck.
1: Do you feel though that that dramatically different approach had any impact on your own music making?
0: Um, it had effect on the way we were perceived and we were instantly perceived as being really uncool, which is, you know, it's tough to handle that, but you know, on the on the other hand, we were playing on everybody else's cool records, which confused them more and made them angrier at us. Saying things like, Quincy Jones manages to get the guys in Toto to play with some taste when we made our own parts up. We weren't reading Quincy Jones' parts. We'd we hire us to come up with our own shit. So these guys that hate us, they don't even know why and, and what they hate. And it's just like, a, you know, it's a prerequisite if you're a journalist, a you know, rock journalist, you have to hate our band, you know. For 45 fucking years. I mean, really, 44 years. Really, man? You got nobody else in 44 years? You know, look at our stats, man. You know, I mean, maybe you don't like it, but there's a whole lot of people that do.
1: Do you think that the sentiment has changed at all? As Has, has yeah. have people come back around to you?
0: Well, I mean, some have. I mean, you know, the guys that are 75 years old wearing a Ramones t-shirt and a fake leather jacket in New York. You know, thinking that they're tastemakers at 75 years old. They don't like us. But um, kids, when they find out, they whether through Weezer or whatever, through Africa or whatever, they find out we have a lot of new music and they come to the shows and go, wow, these guys can rock, man. They're not exactly that. But we do a faithful, long version of their favorite song and everybody wins, you know.
1: There must be nights when you don't want to play Africa. 2008, you were kind of, you were done with it, at least for the time.
0: Well, you know, you, that's the thing with hit songs. People love them and you can't deprive the people that pay for your life what they want to hear. So you play them and then you can stick some other musical shit in there and every, and that balances it out, you know? I mean, you know, a hit record's a blessing and a curse. When you get one, it's like the greatest thing in the world. The curse is you got to play it forever. You know what I mean? That's what was the joke on Weezer, it's like they didn't really like us but they had a big hit record with our song and they're going to have to play it forever.
1: Do you feel like you struck a good balance though? I mean, creatively in terms of playing in and out of Toto?
0: Yeah, I probably more so than anybody. I really get to scratch every itch. I mean, when I'm in Ringo's band, there's so many different artists in that band. There's so many different styles to play. I can play bass on a couple of things with Hamish Stewart, you know? So I love some stuff like that. I love a new challenge. I love, It's hard to play simple. People think, well, yeah, you have to, you know, play all this fast shit and all that. There's a nine year old kid in Japan that can do that, you know. That's a parlor trick. And if everybody knows the trick, it's not magic anymore. So I mean it's harder to play simple and memorable. Because then you really have to expose yourself. It's really easy to dazzle people with your chops but play the simple stuff and see if it moves anybody. It doesn't have to be over everybody's head just to say, oh, well, I get to impress my 10 guitar player friends, you know? I mean, a simple melody, or you listen to Dave Gilmore play the first note of Shine on You Crazy Diamond, and that fucking hits the back wall, and everybody's screaming. You know, uh, as much as I love Alan Holdsworth, God bless his soul, I mean, it's a limited audience.
1: Has that philosophy changed for you? Because, again, obviously, you're coming up through Studio Musicians.
0: Yeah, I mean, at one point, I- one point I was trying to keep up with all that and I, and, I, and I had an injury in a tour bus accident and jacked up both rotator cuffs and I couldn't get a re- operation. So that I had to change the way I play a little bit. And I think it's probably changed for the better. So, uh, you know, you just got to turn lemons into lemonade. There's no other way to do it. You know, I'm older. I'm it hurts a lot. So i got to deal with pain. Some people have much worse pain, so I'm okay.
1: Do you foresee a point when, you know, you're, just not going to physically be able to get up there and tour
0: no unless i'm absolutely like you know something if i had a stroke or something like that which god forbid you know this is what i do i mean it keeps me you know valid as a human being I, i really miss it like this whole retirement thing well i retired for a year and i fucking hate it okay get me back out we may have to sit here for another year and that's hard to take. I got a taste of, re- I got a taste of retirement. I don't like it. What is it that
1: keeps you coming back to the band specifically every time, you know, somebody retires from the bands or you've obviously unfortunately lost some people.
0: Cause I've been working on it since been working on it since I was 19, you know, I always believed in it, man. I and mean, went was as much shit as we took. I said, well, in the end, we're going to get the last laugh. You know, I just, never gave up and you know was keeping the wheels on the bus when the wheels were falling off and then we had the resurgence and it was like the greatest payback ever you know and then it hit a wall when everybody started infighting and suing and shit like that and then people not getting along and had to put it to bed put that version to bed there's been 15 versions so i mean Joe and I knew we were going to work together. So with David joining our forces and owning 50% of the name, then he said, well, let's fucking use the name. And the agents and the promoters were like, yeah, 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 yeah. As long as you and Joe are in front and you're playing hits and doing what you do, it'll be fine. They've accepted every other version. There's there's tribute bands. Why shouldn't I do it? Why shouldn't Joe do it? He was on multi-platinum records. He's been singing with us for the last 11 years, killing it. And he's my best pal. And he's the only guy I've actually physically seen during the lockdown because he lives right down the street alone. And we made a pact because he's got a grandson and I've got my son. So we don't lie and we don't see other people. I talk to
1: a lot of bands and I, I, I I get the feeling that there's no better recipe for building up anger between people than throwing them into a band and, and making them tour across the country and across the world. I mean, you know, a lot of shit's
0: going to come out. Oh, yeah, I no, not know. You, oh, it, it can get really, really stressful, man. You know, to the point of people in the front lounge, people in the back lounge. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, it can get a little bit.
1: At a certain point in your life, though, you know, especially when you've lost people, you, you must realize that it's not worth hanging on to that bullshit and, and it's worth making the amends where you can.
0: Well, yeah. Until unless the bullshit becomes so toxic that you just have to leave it, you try to fix it, and after you've tried, sometimes you gotta let it go. Man, yeah. it's like a marriage gone wrong. You know, you want it to work, but sometimes you don't. It's better if you don't. Do you
1: get the the sense that you could have been happy or content had you? primarily just stayed a a studio musician had Toto not taken off?
0: No, no, because there's only a certain amount of shelf life for a studio musician before they want somebody else, somebody new and fresh, you know, you get about 10, 15 years into that, it's time to move on. Now there are guys that do television and film that do just read the dots and, and they can have a job for life because that's a, that's a very hard job. And it's a very tedious. And I always just wanted to be make, records you know what I mean and, and make my own music so I've always been able to do both but you know like I haven't done sessions per se maybe I'll guest on something you know, once a year or something like that but I mean I used to do 20-25 sessions a week you know so that was, that was a long time ago and it was a lot of fun some of the best times of my life but you know I'm older now I want to make room for other guys let other guys get a shot and I had mine and um, i want to make my own music and and not work so hard you know i mean i've basically been a road guy for the last 12 years you know on the road 220 days or more every year to not do anything is like running into a brick wall at a thousand miles an hour it's like okay thank god i saved money so i'm not going to lose my house but on the other hand it's like you know how many times can i comb the fucking property you know Walking around behind my gate going, I don't want to touch anybody or see anybody since March last year. I can't get the vaccine because I'm too old too old and too young. 63 years old. You know what I mean? It's like, okay. So I just hide in my house until it's safe to go out.
1: Have you found any opportunity, though, to 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 write? I mean, I know you said you were motivated by kind of having an album over the horizon, but you have this downtime. Have you been playing around? Or- yeah,
0: I'm always playing, man. I practice every day. I mean, I'm not sp- specifically writing for a project, but every time I sit down and play, I try to find new stuff. And if something's good, I record it on my iPhone tape recorder and I always remember what it is. And then if it's time to write again, I got a whole bunch of motifs, written, you know, just little starts and and riffs and stuff that I record if I come up with something good. you feel
1: like you're still actively learning, though?
0: I got books all over the place. I mean, if you don't use it, you stagnate. I'm not trying to be the fastest gun in the West. I'm trying to find some new notes and a new way to do it, you know? And, you know, if you keep using your brain, you know, hopefully it doesn't fry. I mean, believe me, I tried to do that when I was young. (laughs) You mean
1: substances specifically?
0: Well, you know, it was an innocent time and nobody really knew how bad it was. You know what I mean? Everybody was everywhere. I mean, you you couldn't escape it. The gardener had it. You know, it's like ridiculous. Uh, And I was young and uh, very, very, um, uh, I absorbed what was going on around me. It's like, well, those guys are doing it, you know. But, you know, like that was so long ago, but it was just such a stupid thing to do.
1: Can you point to sort of a specific point in your life when you realize that like, oh, I can't can't keep partying (laughs) for the rest of my life?
0: well it started to hurt man you know when you're young it doesn't hurt you know you, you start the decades start passing and you're in your late 40s and you're going ouch Ouch!" so you gotta call uncle man you know i didn't have to go away anywhere i just said that's it stop everything
1: fuck it you're one of the lucky ones i think in that in that respect
0: Yeah, well, I've also lost a lot of friends because of it, so I don't recommend the lifestyle at all.
1: That must make the fact that you're still able to do this all the more precious, the fact that you've seen so many people go.
0: I'm losing some of my best friends every year. That's hard. I mean, I lose people all the time, sure, but some of my best friends, that's a scary time when when you realize, well, no, we're not bulletproof anymore in any time. Hey, man. We found something, you know. I don't want to hear that. nobody does. But you know, it goes down all around it's like a roulette wheel. I'm waiting for the ball to do do, do, do. please no. But anyway, okay, that's enough of that, right?
1: Obviously this this past year is making you miss it all the more
0: well we're still working on projects you know we're still doing stuff you know trying to do what we can
1: where do you fall in the yacht rock thing are you just like completely against that as a
0: no man i gotta laugh at come on i gotta make friends with that shit i mean i mean that just happened to be like every session i ever did falls under that umbrella so the joke is like that we are the ultimate yacht rock man because we played on every record then we didn't know it was a name it was just like a sound playing with mike mcdonald today cool i'm playing with Kenny Loggins today, whatever. Those guys were top recording artists at the time, so we were just playing the gig, you know. and Now they found a whole new pretty name for it. All I have to say is, where's my fucking yacht and staff and have it paid for? You know that would be nice as a little. If I'm going to take all the shit about it, they might as well give me one. You know, I, I laugh. I laugh at it because I laugh. I love it. All the cartoon shows, all the shit that's funny to me. I mean, I love being a South Park character. I love being a Family Guy character. That was the coolest thing ever. Are you kidding me? I laughed at the Justin Timberlake. I was just having to watch the show. I thought, oh, no, this is fucking fantastic. We were laughing. I called Paige. I said, turn it on four. Turn it on now.
1: And we laughed. Come on. How can you
0: not laugh at yourself? It's an honor to be a part of pop culture to be made fun of. It's when it's mean-spirited. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, it's a difference between making funny with a wink and and another one they're going like this you know what i mean it's a different feeling i think the yacht
1: rock thing is is respectful i know for a fact that toto is the glue that holds yacht rock together
0: hey i guess you know whatever we're part of something i don't know what that is you know a lot of people like that music you know a lot of people make fun of it so what can i tell you You know someday metallica is going to be yacht rock too you watch